Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Hello, Celebrate. Talk about an amazing way that we get to hang out this weekend, and I'm so glad that you're joining us online. And you might see a few people around me, and check this out. These are our church planners. How amazing is this? We get to do church together, and with everything that's happening in our world, this is so awesome that we get to share this time. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to go to Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10. I'll be there in just a second. But I want to create a picture for you, and I want you to imagine that you're standing before God in heaven. I mean, grab a hold of this. You're standing before God in heaven, and all of your loved ones your spouse, your children, those that are so dear to your heart are standing with you. We're all in heaven together. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, I can tell you as a dad, to have my wife Kay and Jordan, Jaden and Jackson with me and to knowing that they're in heaven with me forever. I mean, I'd be like looking them in the eye and saying, isn't this amazing? Look at this. I told you it'd be worth it. I told you. He would keep every promise, and here we are. It's unbelievable. Now, in light of our series about marriage, for me, that's the best ending to living happily ever after. I mean, that's what I want in my mind now, and that's what we're going to talk about. Living in light of eternity. In fact, every day of our lives, thinking about the fact that one day we're going to be in glory and that's going to be the ending. And I'm going to show you how that is possible and how we need to live with such a mindset. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to look at Mark chapter 10. Now, for a lot of you, this might be a very familiar story, but I, I want to help you with the ending of it because so often it gets missed. So look what it says, Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to begin in the 17th verse. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I find what Jesus said in response very interesting. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then he goes on to say this. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Now, I I don't think this is arrogance. I think the man was really being true because he's talking to Jesus. He says, teacher, watch what he says, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Talk about a righteous individual. But Jesus looked at him. And the Bible says that Jesus loved him. And Jesus says, there's one thing you lack. Now, church, don't miss this. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Because I don't believe that this is a moment of time that Jesus says, if you're really going to be a Christian, that you need to like, live in poverty. You need to like, sell everything and find a cardboard box and move underneath the bridge down by the river. You know what I'm talking about. I don't think that's the moment at all. Find this interesting. It's the only rich individual that we know in Scripture that Jesus said this to. Nicodemus was rich. He didn't say that to him. 
In fact, Joseph of Arimathea was rich. He didn't say it to him either. So what is Jesus saying? And, and it's to this that I want to speak in just a moment. But just hang on to that thought for a second. Let's go back to what it says. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. I find that interesting. He walks away from Jesus. Let me just say this. Anytime you walk away from Jesus, you have no idea who Jesus is. Anytime you walk away, you, you don't know him. You have no idea who just spoke to you. It's a very interesting thing. But the Bible says, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Notice what he's holding on to. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Crazy, isn't it? The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Just picture that. <laughs> the next time you might be hanging around someone who's sewing something. Uh, imagine the sarcasm in that. The disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with human beings, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. But here's what I want you to catch. Here's the ending to the story. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail. Now watch this. Everything is singular up into that point. He's talking about the immediate. And what he's saying is all of those who have given that up, look what he says, will receive a hundred times more as much in this present age. And then he turns it to plural. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. But then he adds, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is an amazing story. I, I want to go back and just highlight a couple things and help you as I'm setting up this message. But remember that Jesus said, sell everything you have and come follow me. Sell everything you have, come follow me. And the man walks away from Jesus. Again, he had no idea who he's talking to. But church, don't miss this. You can't be reaching here if you're holding on to things here. It won't work. As long as you have this, whatever it is, you'll never experience this. Church, you have to let it go, but you have to understand who's doing the talking. This is Jesus. But notice what he said. He said, all of those who have made those sacrifices, who have given up, as the disciples said, we've given up everything. Look what he says. But on the other side of heaven, you're going to receive 100 times fold. I mean, it's going to be out of this world. It's a crazy thing. Here's what I'm getting at. When you and I are in heaven someday, I can tell you one thing I won't be doing. I'm not going to be walking around telling everybody all the sacrifices I made. I'm not going to be speaking about all the things that I had to go through, all that junk. 
You know what we're going to be doing in heaven? We're going to be talking about the immeasurable riches of his grace that he's given us. We're going to, we're going to be noticing all the things that God promised and that he kept those promises. This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, all of these hard times are like small potatoes. I love that imagery. All of these things that I've gone through are small potatoes compared to the coming times. He goes on to say, the lavish celebration that God has prepared for us. I'm going to explain this, but let me say it this way. Home determines the heart. The question is, where's your home? Where's your real home? See, if I don't get heaven, I really don't get this, my life on planet earth. I'm going to help you with it. So if you got your notes, take them out. And I want to look at three keys to living with an eternal mindset. Three keys in light of eternity. Maybe I best say it that way. Here's the first one. You've got to live eternal. You've got to live eternal. I just said it. Eternity changes everything. Let me say it this way. Let's just say that I'm going to make a deal with you. All right? We're, we're going to make a deal. And the deal is this. I'm asking you to sell everything that you have, everything. You've got to get rid of it all. And I tell you that out at the junkyard, I have this abandoned car. Okay? It has no tires. It has no engine. It has no windows. And I, I simply say, sell everything you have, and you need to live in this car for six months. That's the deal. But, but here's the end. If you finish the six months, I'm going to give you $1 million a year for the rest of your life. Now, I, I'm not speaking for you because I always know there's a few that kind of want to throw things off. But the fact of the matter, your pastor is going to take that deal. If someone offered me that, done, deal. I'd say, listen, baby, I love you, Kay, for about six months. We're going to be a little bit separate. Now, you can come visit me. It's probably a lot easier for you, but, but I'm going to do it. And you know what's going to happen? Every month, I'm going to be thinking, and, I, and if I still have my watch, I'm going to be like, whoa, checking the date, going, oh, just a few, few weeks left, because I'm thinking about the fact that this is temporal. I'm thinking about what is to come, the promise. One million dollars a year for the rest of my life. Folks, here's what I'm getting at. Planet Earth is the car. What God has promised us, this is the car. This isn't my home. It's just a car. This is what I'm talking about. Imagine every day that we would think about the reward that is to come. Everything that God promised. And we lived in our marriage that way. We lived in our relationships that way. Every day, we lived eternal. I think it would change everything, wouldn't it? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. That's what Paul wrote. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying this. If there's no resurrection and there's really no heaven, you should feel sorry for me. Like, I am an idiot. Like, I, I don't get it. And we would, we would believe that. But folks, listen. Since there was a resurrection, everything that Paul went through, he's a hero. Like, he's the dude I want to be. 
It's crazy. See, this is what he meant when he said, I fought the good fight. Yeah, it was a fight at times. I finished the race. The six months is over and I have remained faithful. Look what he says. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself, himself will award me. Oh my, church, check this out. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 11. And this is Paul talking about his life. Here's what he says. I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him well. But then he talks about the service. This is crazy. Talk about a bad day. He says, I've worked so hard, I've been put in prison. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Gets a little more specific. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, I'm pretty sure that's not happened to any of us. Can you imagine? 39 times with a whip. Five times that happened to him. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and he's not talking about, okay, all right? One time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have, listen to this, I have faced danger from my very own people. I know what it's like to have friends turn on me. That's what he's saying. As well as people who don't even know me. I have faced danger in cities and deserts and on seas. I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers who were not. Ever had that? People who call themselves Christian, but in a moment of difficulty, they're not so Christ-like. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Okay, let me say it again. That's a bad day. You with me on that? But now watch this. If we could see him now, you think he has any regrets? I mean, you talk about the last 2,000 years of Paul's life in, in glory. I want to be Paul. That's what he's saying. These are small potatoes when you live with eternity in your mind. That's why he wrote, we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, here's what he says, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight in glory. That's why he says, I don't, I don't live life by what I see. I live life by what I know. What's to come? The reality. Six months in this car? Oh my. I'm in. I take the deal. Because what's going to happen at the end of six months? Folks, God's promise is for real. We need to start living with that in our minds. And it will change every relationship you're in. Come on. Amen to that? Amen. amen. Here's number two. Live eager. Come on, say it with me. Live eager. You need to be full of anticipation. And, and why not? Again, Philippians chapter 3. Our citizenship's in heaven, not the car. You with me? That's a temporary place. My citizenship's in heaven because this is where Jesus lives. Don't miss that. So then he adds these words. So we eagerly await. We eagerly away. Now, everybody knows that I love Disney. My whole family loves Disney. I mean, I'm just telling you, when I get home, it's like, oh boy. I mean, it's great. 
We love Disney. And every time we get ready to go to Disney, one of the, one of the greatest things that, that happens is that fundamental question. When are we leaving? How long, much longer, Dad? You know what I'm talking about. And, and that's actually me asking the question. I mean, we are so excited. I have my bags packed. We love Disney. My heart can't wait to get there. There's something magical about that place. Now, why do I say that? Because I, I think what's to come in glory is much greater than Disney. But, but here's my fear, church. I, I don't have any data to prove this. But with all my years in the ministry, I, I've come to believe that 95% of American Christians, if they were given the choice right now to be home with Jesus or stay with their family, they would choose to stay with their family. Now, I, I get it. I have three girls, and I, I dream of that day to walk each one of them down the aisle. And as you know, this summer I get to do the first one. But there's something really off with that, isn't there? Like, I would rather stay here than be with Jesus. That's why I go back to the first most important thing, to live with an eternal mindset. I just don't think we get eternity. I don't think we understand the promise. Why in the world would we get so wrapped up in the car? I want what's to come at the end of the six months. Are you with me here? Oh my goodness, I want to be with Jesus. That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Do you know what he's saying? Okay, as long as I'm here, I'm going to live for Jesus. But if I can be home with him, oh my goodness. I'll live for Jesus, but my heart wants to be with Jesus. Are you with me, church? I don't know if you've ever been to some of those craft stores. When you have all women in your house, it's like that's where you live. And so uh, there's, a, there's a little sign that you see in every one of them. And we have one at our house. And it says, home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. Think about that. Now, don't miss this principle. Whatever you call home. Whatever you call home will fundamentally fill you in all that you teach for those that you love that are close to you. Now, if that didn't make sense, let me say it this way. Whatever you call home will determine how you prepare those that you love. See, I, I personally, I don't worry about my kids if I was to die today. Because I've prepared them and told them what matters most. So if my dad, if, if their dad is gone, come on, church. They're going to see their dad one day again. And, and go back to that beginning of this message. Standing with my children going, I told you it was worth it. I told you it was worth it. See, that's again, I want to keep that in the forefront of my mind. And I want to eagerly await for that. Because that's the perfect ending. Happily ever after to this story. And I trust it'll be yours as well. See, Jesus said this, store your treasures in heaven. Here's what we're, where I think we get it wrong. We tend to think those treasures are monetary things, you know, our money. And we think, you know, we need to invest in that. And so we use it a lot um, for tithing messages. But here's what I want you to do. Look at the person next to you. That's the treasure. See, I want K in heaven. Jesus is saying, store K in heaven. Now watch what he says. For the place where your 
treasure is, is the place where your heart will be. Isn't that crazy? Where's home? This isn't it. It isn't the car. It's the promise of what is to come. And so I keep that in the forefront of my mind and I eagerly, I live with that anticipation and it changes everything in the relationships in my life. Here's number three. Write it in. Imagine. Say that with me. Imagine. You know, Albert Einstein said, don't miss it. Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. Think of that statement. Imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attraction. Now, now catch this. Paul said in Ephesians 3, and we quote it all the time, God is able to do far beyond all that we can ask or what? Imagine. But now with everything that I've just said, think about what Paul was really saying. He wants us to imagine what heaven's going to be like. He wants us to be in, in, engrossed in it. What it will be like. Oh my goodness, when I'm in the majestic mountains of Colorado, when I'm watching a sunset on the ocean, how many times? I said, Kay, imagine what heaven's going to be like. Oh my goodness, we need to have an imagination. But did you know, according to research, this is amazing, the brain power we have as a child when it comes to imagination, here's what recent studies have discovered. It's actually the same when we're old. It doesn't change. And you know what they discovered in the studies? Because of fear, as an adult, we grow more in fear. We just choose to close the door in our imagination. Isn't that wild? Thus, the older we get, like Sarah and Zechariah, when God comes and tells us something that we think is impossible, we laugh at him, don't we? Do you remember what happened to them in their old age when they laughed at God, when God said, you're going to have a child? You know what Jesus was saying, what God was saying? Oh, come on, imagine. <laughs> You've been wanting a child, but imagine what God can do. I don't care, you're old. I can do anything. I'm God. But they laughed at him, and God closed their mouth. But you remember what Mary did in her response as a young girl? I'm your servant, Lord. Be it as you said. Which one do you want to be? I think this is why Jesus said, and we've misquoted it a lot, come to heaven as a child. Come to heaven as a child. That's not what Jesus said. He said this, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Why would he say that? Because children are filled with imagination. They just believe the impossible. <laughs> they live in the impossible. See, imagination is so important to every aspect of our lives. Don't miss this. Without it, we will never obtain the wonderful version of this world or the most important world that's yet to come. Look at the words of Carrie Kirkwood. When God's children use their imagination, when God's children, that's us as adults, when they use their imagination to see beyond current circumstances into the realm where God paints pictures in their minds, here's what he says. Healings are a commonplace. Goals are always accomplished. 
Dreams always come true and victories are always celebrated. Isn't that amazing? Church, our view of heaven and how it captures us has everything to do with our relationships here. We live with eternity in our minds. We eagerly await and we never stop imagining what it's going to be like. Folks, this is the car. The promise is coming is amazing. Folks, heaven isn't filled with a bunch of little fat guys wearing bed sheets, playing harps in the background of satin and a fog machine. You with me on that? Oh my goodness. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Revelations. Revelations. And I want to read to you what the Bible says in letting our imagination get back to work. Here's Revelations. God's speaking to what it looks like. Verse 1, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, the throne of God saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now watch this church. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I love it. It's finished. It's going to happen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. You know what he's saying? Those who live like I just shared with you. Eternal mindset. They live eagerly and they imagine those are the victorious ones. Those will inherit this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Look at verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Come on, church. Someone say, hallelujah. hallelujah. This is awesome. I love this stuff. Church, we can and we must develop this ability to see as God sees. If we want our marriages, 
If we want our relationships to be what he had purposed, it's not an option, church. For through the power of God, his imagination, nothing is impossible. No problem too big, no relationship too broken. Amen to that? Here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And whatever it looks like to you, I, I want you to picture looking in the face of Jesus. You're looking in the face of Jesus. And I, I want you to look to the right or the left. And the people that you love are there with you. Every one of them. They love the same Jesus that you've loved. Church, picture that. Keep your eyes closed. Fill your mind with it. Use all your senses to smell it, to taste it, to savor it. Let your mind dwell on that. Ask God right now to say, God, fill me with that anticipation. God, I, I want that to be the ending to my story. That's happily ever after. Oh my. See, that's what I'm talking about, church. Let our minds fill with that picture. Eagerly waiting for the promise of the fulfillment of that picture. And let my imagination, God, let it run wild. How much greater you are. Here it comes, and there goes the drive, going out to right field. Church, this is, what, this is what it's about. This is the picture. When you and I get in the perfect frequency with God, when we care so much about taking that time to dial our lives in and getting right on His frequency, oh my, there's a communion like no other. And it changes the relationship. You see, when my wife and I are dialed in to know that it's not about the car. It's about the promise of what is to come. And we let that invade our minds. We let that invade our hearts. Then we live with an eternal mindset and we eagerly are filled with anticipation of the coming of that day. Oh my goodness. And our imagination runs wild like a child. It changes our marriage. It changes everything around us how we live, how we talk, how we breathe. Remember those words? When Kay and I are in God's battle, we don't battle. 
When Kay and I are about his fight, we don't fight. There's something about being dialed in to that frequency. Church, I want to pray for you. If you just close your eyes, I, I just want to ask God to begin to help us dial into that frequency. God, that we would be so in line with you. This is why we read the word. It's not a chore. God, it's aligning to that station of you, being totally right before you. God, letting you fill our mind that we're about the business of God, not about the business of man. That God, we don't get lost in the car and in that moment, but we never forget the promise of what is to come. God, it changes everything. It changes everything. God, I pray for those right now as they're hearing this message and they're saying, God, I want that. I want to be dialed in to your frequency. God, I know that you're moving right now, that you're speaking in to their lives. And Father, that you are so faithful, you will not fail them, you will not abandon them, and you're going to show them, and you're going to walk with them. God, I say thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you. God bless you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.